everyone. Have you ever wondered what netnography, social listening and search listening is? This is a tool that we as marketers use in research and it's actually becoming so popular that that's what people do all day long. But this allows us to understand the human psyche, behaviors and needs. And I got the opportunity to sit down with Clement Manientela on his show on 702 to discuss how netnography and social listening, including search listening, is used to contextualize the upcoming municipality elections in South Africa. You don't want to miss this. You're listening to a podcast from 702. Mark, I want us to discuss our behavior on social media now ahead of elections. Um, and I'll be speaking to a digital analyst and content specialist to find out what South Africans are talking about online ahead of the 1st of November. Which political parties and leaders are topping the popularity polls online? And I think what is key with this kind of technique is that the data is collected when the consumers are behaving freely, right, as opposed to the normal way that research surveys are done, in which consumers sometimes respond, not necessarily freely and honestly, but they do it to prevent embarrassment or if they want to please the surveyor. So let's focus on the trends that are online in the build-up to elections now with the digital analyst and content specialist, uh, Carmen uh, Murray, who joins us now on the line. Carmen, thank you so much for making time. Welcome. Hi, Clement. Thank you so much for having me. So please explain to us what social and search listening is. Okay, that's a, that's a good question. I'm actually going to take it a step back. We don't like to refer to it as netnography. I know it's a crazy word, but it's actually an academic term. And it's easily explained as the analysis of free behavior, as you said, um, of individuals on the Internet. And it's a practice of data intelligence by collecting conversations, data, research, ethics. But it's also a branch from ethnography, which is also um, different cultures, behaviors, and habits. Now, social listening is very important for your audience to understand. This is all about monitoring billions of online conversations and especially what is happening on the social media platforms. How you ever got, have you ever gone to, for example, uh, a coffee shop and somebody sitting next to you and there's an interesting conversation happening and you, you're listening to it? That's exactly what we do with social listening. Mm. We look at the conversations happening. Um, when you look at, and tools that we use for that is Meltwater, which is exceptional. We can maybe look at it live just now. But search listening is, is the human psyche. This is exactly what you said in the intro. It's where people search for things like sex searching. They search for things that nobody knows they are searching for because they know nobody's looking over their shoulders yeah. and monitoring what they're searching. And this is where you get the real insight as to what's on top of people's minds and what they're looking for. And these are the two major tools that allow us to understand the human psyche and and um, how topics are relevant or not. Yeah, that, that distinction is so important because that, that's really the difference between, as you say, netnography and, and the surveying uh, when you are conducting polls where... In this case, you are listening to what is the free behavior of the consumers. But often when you do surveys, there are questions that may be leading. You have to respond. And sometimes people are not necessarily responding freely um, and, and honestly to the questions during surveys. You're 100% correct. So one of the big things that we find is 
especially I come out of a marketing world and sometimes research studies can take you six to 12 months. By the time you get that information, it's still, and it has no relevance. Not that I'm saying research doesn't have, it, have its place. It all depends mm-hmm. for what causes you're using it for. But when you want to understand real time what's on top of people's minds, you need to use ethnography because ethnography allows for you to know what's happening. And, and some days I would go through 90,000 conversations in like six hours to understand where the pattern is going. It's like a tsunami of change. And what makes this a little bit more challenging, especially for political parties, is every word, everything that they say now turns that, that tide around. Um, it's like a tsunami, tsunami of, of conversations happening, and it's not always in their favor. This week, they'll talk to next, uh, next week, tomorrow, even in an hour, they're in a different position. So it's, um, it's very important to play in the agility economy in order to understand where the waves are going. And I'm sure that you, can, you also can relate if you look at the um, voting polls of America or Britain. Whenever you see those voting polls, you always wonder, but why? It's said it's they're going to win. They never won. It's because the constant monitoring is not happening. Mm, yeah. So what are you picking up online? What are the trends online in the build-up to, to elections? Because we're now in the, in the eye of the storm, so to speak. Mm, mm. Okay, so... I mean, I'm just going to quickly, so, so we've been working with a citizen um, and that um, interviewed us and we've managed to pick up some very interesting things. Mm. If we look at Cyril Ramaphosa, um, Cyril Ramaphosa, he only follows eight people or eight um, accounts on Twitter. And if you look, and we just, we just took the former leaders, um, Zuma, he followed like 557 people or something in that line. Yeah. Why is this important? Who you follow determines who you connected with or determines which, um, your humanity and how you um, show up in the world. Now, Cyril, for example, is only following um, his foundation. He's following a few of the ANC um, main um, accounts. And then the African Union. He is not following the, the youth league, which is a major concern, and all of the municipalities. Now, if he's not following those municipalities and he's not giving people an insight into who he's following, that could be a, a negative for him because it's showing that he's cold. It's showing that he's not allowing people into his life. Um, he's not even following his wife. So if you look at um, Zuma, he follows all of these wives. He follows um, Ronaldo. He follows um, a provocative woman as well. Um, but we think Mkanda is very busy. But, I mean, the point I'm to the cross is that he's showing his personality um, mm. to who he follows. Trump did the same thing. Trump followed Kim Kardashian. He followed Gary Player. Um, he gave insight not to the political side, but also on who he is as a human being. Now, that's something we've picked up, and, and Cyril is, a, is almost like a mystery when we go over to search listening. People don't ask, what did he study? Oh, we've lost Carmen there. Um, we're going to try and reestablish that, that line with Carmen. It's so interesting, right, uh, that people are not that much interested in Cyril Ramaphosa on, online. I know Carmen will tell us about the work that, that she's done 
uh, looking at leaders like John Steen Hazen, for instance. And, and I think in one of the articles I've read, she's indicated that people have often asked, who is John Steen Hazen <laughs> on the Internet? Uh, so maybe people are not asking about Cyril Ramaphosa because they probably already know who he is. Um, I don't know. We'll find out more from Carmen. We're going to try and reestablish that line and we'll continue our discussion after this. Your voice. Your questions. Your morning radio with Clement Maniatella. This is 702. All right. Uh, let's, uh, we've managed to reestablish that line with Carmen Mari, who is a digital analyst and content specialist. Carmen, uh, before we got cut off there, you were explaining what trends you are seeing online, what people are talking about and searching ahead of elections, and you were explaining what that around Cyril Ramaphosa and that there's not a lot of searches for him. Yeah, so exactly. Um, a lot of people are asking about, um, so who is he? What is he as a, as a, as a husband? Um, what, is, uh, what is his culture? And especially South Africans, culture is taken very seriously. It's how you connect with your traditional um, um, traditions. It's, 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 it's all those things that make you humane and allow people to connect to you. And he's one of the only um, um, individuals that are, well, not you know, uh, leaders that are basically um, pose those questions online where they're asking about, you know, what is his culture? When it comes to, um, to EFS, um, one of the biggest searches that we started seeing was after the manifesto was um, released, a lot of questions were posed online is where is the money coming from for the elections? And when you start diving into um, online conversations, people are looking up things like, um, why did um, Malema and the EFF go over to Nigeria? Do they have funding from Nigeria? EFF didn't, the conversations in the research shows us that um, if it was not open where the funding is coming from and they say they're funding themselves and people don't believe it and because of what's happened with corruption in South Africa, it seems and it appears that this is a major concern um, for people to, um, to, to understand where the funding is coming from and is there truly um, transparency and a lot of people are going back to the time that, uh, that Julius went to Nigeria to go and obtain um, you know, or to go to the church mm, for and blessings with a pastor. <laughs> yes. So this is an interesting thing, but also Julius is very famous online. People love to see all the things that he's done in Parliament, the funny moments that's happened. Um, so in a way, some people find him entertaining, but also aspirational. Um, you know, what did he study and to understand that about him? If we look at Zoom, although Zoom must, uh, you know, you know, not the focus here right now. But with Zuma, he's always, um, his search is always aspirational. It's like, um, how, 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 what did he decide to study? Why did he study what he studied? And it's a very different question as to John Steenhaven, where people want to know exactly what he studied and who is John Steenhaven. Um, we are seeing online that this question keeps on coming up, who is John Steenhaven? And I do think that if I look at the data that's in front of me at the moment, that the DA is a bit in trouble. Um, their sentiments um, online is changing quite a lot, and I'll, I'll go through that shortly. But um, if we if we look at Helen Villa, Helen Villa is not doing the, fa- the party any favours. Um, I've mentioned it before. 
she's described as the Julius Malema of the DA. Um, people still search the colonial post that she did a few years ago. Mm. It is still a trending search which is showing that people have not forgiven her for that and no. will not let go of that. And that is damaging the party. But the problem is, is, is that Helen's got a lot of influence online and she's got a lot of followers. John Steenhaven doesn't. And his uh, voice is not heard as much online in comparison to the civil war causes, the EFF, who's got 4 million followers. And I think John Steenhaven is 168,000. That makes it a very, a very um, different and difficult way to appeal to people, especially the youth, during this time, because that's where you're going to find them. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's really, really interesting. I've got some listeners weighing in on this discussion coming. Uh, some have questions as well. So let's listen to one of the questions. Okay. Mr. Magnatella, good morning. Um, um, a question for Carmen, if I may. Uh, it was interesting when she stated how Zuma follows so many people, whereas um, Mr. Ramaphosa doesn't, um, only has a few people that he's following. We all know from uh, Obama's campaign that he was popular on the BlackBerry, but when he became president, he had to have secret services actually took away his BlackBerry because it was a security risk. I think the point I'm trying to get to here is, how do we know that Cyril Ramaphosa is the one actually sending out those tweets versus his, um, for, as opposed to his public relations officer. Yeah, all right. Thank you for that question. Yes, Carmen? Great question. That is exactly it. That, exactly that question is what the public is posing. That is why they're going online, to find out who is Cyril Ramaphosa because people don't relate to, to his account because it seems like it's not run by him, like it's not a hands-on approach. Whereas with Zuma, as an example, he's hands-on. EFF, if you look at Julius Malema, he's hands-on. Helen Ziller's hands-on. John Steenhaven's hands-on. But it's almost like the, the tweets and all the communication that's coming out is very one-sided. It's like um, we, we're just going to shout the message out and not going mm. to engage with our community. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of Trump here. I mean, he engaged even when he was president. And I know he's, he's, he's an exceptional case, but he was engaging on social media. Even the, the, the former president, Jacob Zuma, even if we're not for sure, we don't know for sure if he's the one that's tweeting, but whatever he puts out there, you can relate it to the former president, right? It's on brand with who he is and what he would say. Yeah. And I get what you mean when you say with President Cyril Ramaphosa, even if they come, the, the, the social media is not run by him specifically, but still there's not much interaction or any content that indicates that he is involved, he's relatable, it's him who actually uh-huh. raises these issues. Should, should parties care about this, Carmen? Should they be caring about the, polit- the, the behavior, online behavior of people particularly ahead of elections? Because there's a question around digital service delivery, right, and how it impacts on politics. Does it matter and why? I definitely think it matters. We have now moved into the era where social media and Google is the place where we find our news. If if you're not relatable, um, it makes people wonder, do you really care about me? Think about this for a moment. If, if we look at Zuma and Trump, I'm not drawing comparisons. I just want to passionately share my information. 
if you look at them, they followed their patriots. So Zuma followed people that were big fans of his so that they could communicate his messages into their community. Trump did the same thing. When you look at Cyril Ramaphosa, he's got 4 million um, people following him, but it was mostly for the family meetings. Now, when you, when you start looking at the sentiment, and, and we can go into that shortly, but when you look at these, um, people want to feel that they have a charismatic leader that's caring about them. My biggest concern when I looked at Cyril Ramaphosa's account and saw that he was not following the municipalities, not following um, the youth league and the youth, we have to pay attention to them. We have to vote with them in mind is a big concern because how does Cyril Ramaphosa keep his finger on the pulse? Irrespective of somebody else is doing his social media account, what are they doing with that information? Because that is the gold mine. Yeah. Someone wants to know here that how is the president not relatable when he was trending for his mask and has had lots of memes which he has even joked about. But this is mostly what has happened with the visual element where he will be addressing the nation and, and something happens there. It's not necessarily based on what he would ordinarily put out there on social media. Yes, I, I think we need to, to make a distinction. I mean, yes, there, there's three needs that people want in general. The first need is want. If you want to have experiences, you want to have a good laugh and your emotional um, triggers are set off. And when you see something funny, then you know how we are as South Africans and we go onto Twitter memes and we express ourselves. Yeah. Then there's the shit. We know we should vote. We know we should lose weight. We know we should educate ourselves on the manifestos. We know that we should uh, go on a holiday now and then. These are, these are specific needs that we have. And then we have frictions in our lives. And in the case of political parties, this is all about service delivery. So service delivery is a big friction in people's lives those three needs always need to be addressed. It's, yeah. it's the wants, the shits, and the frictions. Now, when things went viral, for example, um, with uh, Jerusalem, um, there was the you know the dance of Osiris. Of course, he, he comes across very charismatic. But now we've shifted in a very serious moment in time, which is about elections, and we can't pretend no corruption happened. We've gone through a pandemic and. Did service delivery really happen the way it is? We yeah. saw on Twitter um, gift, uh, food parcels being handed out and statements being made by the ANC, um, we care. But during the pandemic, when the corruption happened, what was the answer then? When, when mm, did people mm. care then? Yeah. And and it's, it's like almost, um, you know, one needs to interrogate the data and time and the time frame. And this is why going back, search listening and social listening is important because it's relevant to yeah. what's happening right now. Yeah, and, and I'm sure we're going to have you again as, as we head closer to elections. Thank you for coming through, Carmen. I appreciate your time.